off top, get a little bit serious. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Robert Sarver situation. He's the um, governor of the the Suns, which is, I guess, what they call the team owners in the NBA. He's being punished because for one year, uh, he's banned from all arenas and all NBA and WNBA related things and also being fined $10 million because uh, the findings in uh, the report from the NBA found that he was uh, guilty, I guess, of uh, creating a, an equitable environment for women and... Uh, guilty of racial slurs, using racial slurs, the N-word five times. Um, all of the specifics of it, I think, are very interesting. And I think everyone should um, check out the story to get a full grasp on it. But I think my experience um, as a leader in a union leads me to want to talk more about the specifics of the punishment. And I think the purpose of punishments in general, like in sports or otherwise in the judicial system, like you want to accomplish a few things with punishment. You hope to protect people. You hope to deter other people from committing this similar act. You want to create some sort of like retribution. And I guess you also want to like create an opportunity for rehabilitation uh, for the guilty party. And the reason why this particular punishment to me falls short is one, first of all, the way this is set up, it's Adam Silver works for the owners and the NBA is run by the owners. Adam Silver is frankly the same as Roger Goodell. He's a bit of a manager for the owners who own the league. So when you really think about who's levying the punishment, it's an employee levying a punishment on their employer and also like kind of checking with the employer's friends, which is the other governors slash owners, depending on the sport to make sure that they're okay with it. And like that is you, you hear often that you want to, in these big time situations, uh, you want to avoid the like perception of impropriety. Like, this seems like an obviously unfair and biased uh, situation. And figuring out a way to do this differently, I think, should be the future of all professional sports. Uh, creating a, an opportunity to hold the owners as accountable as players are held or have been held. And not to say that the discipline system is perfect on players, but it certainly seems a lot closer. Uh, and part of that is because the players don't have much leverage in this situation or they don't have any leverage in the situation over the decision makers. Nowhere close to the way that the owners have leverage over Adam Silver and the NBA at large. And I don't know what the future of this is. I don't think it changes because who's incentivized to change it. Like I think a best situation we saw how in the um, Deshaun Watson case, there was an independent retired judge who kind of made a decision on the punishment. Eventually, it all, it all got back to Roger Goodell, and then he extended the punishment. But the idea of having an independent judge or a panel of independent judges that are selected by jointly between the Players Association and the union, like I think that would be the right way to go to ensure that we have a situation where the 
the owners are held to the same kind of expectations as any of us are. And you, I would actually believe, I was going to say I would argue, but I do believe that the owners should be held to an even higher standard, particularly within the workplace. In this situation, like there are some, there are lots of benefits that come with owning a basketball team and being a billionaire. But along with those benefits should be higher expectations and like more responsibility to protect the people who work for you and create an environment that is fair and equitable and safe for those people. I'm not sure what the employees or former employees of the Suns will do if they're going to attempt to take some sort of legal action, because I think that would be reasonable to to point out that they aren't actually being protected and that one year fine is not deterring Robert Sarver, who has been accused like these accusa accusations go across decades and a one year suspension and a $10 million fine is not, uh, in my view, a way to deter anybody from doing or to deter these guys from doing these types of things. So I don't know where any of this ends up. I, I don't, I'm not optimistic about this uh, situation changing in any major sports, in part because Who's going to change it? Like the players and the CBA do not have the interest or leverage to compromise or sacrifice in order to change the situation. And no one else is going to step in. So I'd love to end this on some sort of optimistic note about how things are going to get better and we're, we'll change things. And, uh, but it won't change unless frankly, we care enough because that's what happened with, with the um, Donald Sterling situation was he lost his team because we made a lot of noise and we made a lot of noise because we had an audio recording and uh, there's no reason to suggest that what um, Robert Sarver is guilty of is less egregious than what Donald Sterling is guilty of only because, or at least the reaction is different because we don't have, uh, like a smoking gun to point to and yell about and get riled up in the way that we did over um, Donald Sterling and the way that the players did over Donald Sterling. So I don't know what the future holds for, um, for leagues and how they are going to reprimand owners or try to address their misbehavior. But I certainly think that we're not at a good place right now. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, let's get right to it. It's a big game tonight. It's a big game last week. It feels like we're going to have big games every week, particularly in like the primetime spots, Monday night and Thursday night. But this one is a monster from the AFC West. We got the Chiefs and we got the Chargers. And this like speaks to a bigger conversation that you and I have been having and how it feels like we have different tiers of quarterbacks. We've always had that. But yeah. there's like a brand new tier that was like rare where like some quarterbacks could reach this level every once in a while. You know, like the best quarterbacks in the league, occasionally they could have a season that was as good as like four guys in the league, four or five guys in the league have every year. And it feels like it's not an aberration. Like this is the future of the league. You used to be able to win with like, a franchise quarterback, like which yeah. is like a good guy. There was a guy you could win with, and occasionally a game he'll put it, he'll like put the team on his back or something. But now we have these 
I don't know, Mahomes, Herbert, obviously, uh, Jackson, who else? Uh, I mean, I, I would actually – I, I almost think the the original prototype Josh Allen, Rogers. of course. Josh Allen, yeah. Rogers. Rogers like a, yeah. I know Rogers hasn't won a Super Bowl no, in a while, but but you're freak, right, Rogers. Rogers is that guy, but I feel like Rogers was the last time that we had was the last time it was normal. Yeah, Rogers was that guy, and we we're like, oh, that's the guy in this era. Like before that, it was Peyton Manning. Before that, it was like Dan Marino or or John Elway. But it, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just like no my like messed up perception. But it feels like there's a new level of quarterback in the league. I think there are a few things going on here. Uh, one is the way that they're drafting quarterbacks now, and I think a lot of this actually switched with Josh Allen. I, I really do because everyone for so long was trying to draft off. You have more college starts. You're going to be a better pro quarterback. You can't teach accuracy but you can develop, you can get you're physically stronger, get fitter, get be able to take more hits, um, ball placements, everything. And then something like Josh Allen and Mahomes happened, guys who were objectively underdrafted, and, but at the time we thought they were reaches because of their college performance. And that's like a paradigm shift where it's like, okay, efficient football is throwing the ball. If we get these freak shows, this arm talent in our building, and we can play high margin efficient football with freakish talent, that's a better risk for us to take drafting. And right. that's like, I mean, that's like the logic that Kyle Shannon had for drafting Trey Lance. Why I was like, this is a brilliant pick at the time. Cause it's like, uh-huh. you know, we look at some of the other guys, the guys who you say are former franchise quarterbacks who are now like sort of mid tier franchise yeah. quarterbacks, Honda civic franchise quarterbacks. <laughs> and those guys, everything needs to be right around them. Nothing yeah. needs to be right. Things need to be right. Nothing needs to be yeah. perfect around these guys for them to be awesome. And when things are perfect around them, they give us a playoff game like we had last yeah. year between Allen and Mahomes. And so in this particular game, we have two of those guys. We have Mahomes and we have Herbert. And I think the, mm-hmm. the first question is, how do you slow down either guy or can you slow down either guy? And if one of them can be slowed down, which one will it be? And it's weird because I think that the – Los Angeles Chargers have the personnel yes, to give Patrick Mahomes trouble. But I still kind of feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to win. Because it's like uh, part of this is the way that people are thinking about quarterbacks and the way that people are drafting. But another part of it is about analytics coming into the game. And here's <laughs> where it's, it's pretty early to to like stumble across the big thought of the week. But. Um, or the big thought of the show, which we've been lucky enough to stumble across a few of them each time or each show. But the one that kind of comes to mind for me right now is that the rule changes kind of have in the same way that we have rule changes changed the way that basketball works. That's the rule changes in football have changed the way this game works. But football, the big idea, I guess, to me is that analytics has entered every sport. Yes. And um in our country every popular sport that we watch and it's made all of them worse and less interesting like yeah. basketball is a little less interesting because everyone kind of plays the same way and that's not completely fair there's a couple like aberrations and you're seeing special players that allow their team to do things slightly differently but by and large everyone's like threes and layups and it 
and basketball junkies kind of hate how it's gotten born. In baseball, we don't have to get into that. Oh obviously, baseball's so bad. Yeah, yeah the, the shifts and all that stuff and, and the home runs and strikeouts. Like the stats around baseball, like how often people used to strike out, rather how often, or compared to how often they strike out now and base runners and like the exciting parts of the game are out. But football, and I think it's in part because of the complexity of the game, analytics has made it more interesting. You know, like there's more diversity, even though everyone feels like there's a variation of the Shanahan uh, zone running scheme. It's not true. It's not everyone. And there's so much you can do in this game. There's so many different ways you can win. You end up with a more interesting game. And the same thing on defense. There are like, there's always a pull to copycat and like homogeneity. There's always some gravitational pull in that for guys to like do or teams to do more too deep or whatever. But the personnel is so specialized and there's so many, I think it's probably because there's so many different levers in football, you know, to pull, to find advantages that you can find advantages in different ways. And it makes it smart that if you have players that like the Ravens are a great example of that and that what they were doing yeah. last year, is like exactly. they had a lot of corner, they had a lot of great corners. So they're going to be super aggressive and they have Lamar Jackson, so they're going to run the ball a lot with the quarterback. And then you look around the league, nobody else is doing that. And so one of the things I think is really interesting about the, the analytics discussion with, with football. So the basics of analytics, which I think a lot of people misunderstand, is that the goal of it is to just make the highest probability right. decision at every single decision point. And in basketball, that's really simple as it being a three versus a two. In mm -hmm. football, there are so many different situations and also the roster construction, as you said, is so different where like, okay, you can have four receiver sets and the Chiefs four receiver sets are going to be drastically different than the Chargers and the 49ers right. and stuff. And that's what makes the decision point different for each coach. And that's why it's actually been like positive because it's basically saying don't do dumb shit anymore. Right. And like, of course, there's, there's plenty like. Dan Cam Campbell taking an onside kick. Hilarious. Love that dumb shit. But like for the most part, <laughs> yeah. like just doing the smarter decision is going to make a more entertaining football game because there's still yeah. diversity of thought. And, and to your point, it's about maximizing efficiency. And um, you can have like when Lamar won the MVP, the most efficient offense in the league was what the Ravens were doing. And they're like perpetually amongst the most efficient offenses in the league when Lamar is um, healthy. Um, but because of personnel, no one else can do that. And to your point, like what the 49ers do pretty damn efficient normally, but not yeah. everyone can do that because they, not everyone has the personnel, but yeah, I, it, it got away from, this feels like a, a longer conversation for yeah. a future podcast. All right. How about we pivot back to the actual game? It's an awesome game. It doesn't make sense for us to like go too far afield. Who you got winning this game and why? I got Kansas City. I mean, it's as simple as that. I I, I won't bet against Patrick Mahomes in September. All right, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time on, time on, time on, time on, time on. Let me try to convince you that you're wrong. Okay? Okay. Justin Herbert, who or why would Justin Herbert not have an awesome game? Keenan Allen's out. Okay, I assumed you were going to say that. And what is the argument for Patrick Mahomes not having an awesome game? 
uh, the defensive line gets pressure on him. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I feel like overcoming Keenan Allen being out is much easier than figuring out what to do about Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the edge and Derwin James, who's capable of taking care of Travis Kelsey. Like, I I actually think that Derwin James can go one for one on Travis Kelsey in quarters or in man if, if they're blitzing and he gets locked up on him. Like, I feel comfortable there. And he is their best offensive weapon now that Tyreek Hill is gone. The only thing I'd push back on with that is how much does that matter now that they play like four guys in a much more egalitarian offense? Like they're they're spreading the ball around more than they ever had. Yeah, I I mean, so I think it matters because if you think about the big drives in Patrick Mahomes' career, he's going to those guys. He's going to Tyreek Hill, who is now in Miami, and he's going to Travis Kelsey. And if you Mm -hmm. believe that um, Justin Herbert – is going to be able to score with them. There's going to be quite a few big drives and Derwin James is going to make plays on those big drives. So the argument going the other way is what Justin Herbert has to overcome is easier to overcome than what Patrick Mahomes has to overcome. And I guess the only way to push back on that is Patrick Mahomes is that much better than Justin Herbert. Because I think we both agree that the job in front of Patrick Mahomes if you're just looking at the defense, yeah. I guess you could argue he has more help from a coaching standpoint and that offensive line is great, but Herbert's offensive line is great too. Sick, sick, yeah. So, right? I mean, is the difference in them, I think we both would agree that Patrick Mahomes is better in large part because he's proven it more often and in bigger moments and for a longer period of time. But they're pretty close talent-wise. They're so much closer than people realize. Right. Uh, I remember there's an analogy that you brought up once comparing, you know, people to smartphones. And yeah. like, this is this is the perfect one because Patrick Mahomes is the iPhone Max. Like he's the top of the line iPhone. Everyone has it. Everyone knows how to use it. Everyone knows it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Justin Herbert's like the Samsung Galaxy or the Android smartphone. That's like nerds, the nerds looking at you, Mina, looking at you, <laughs> Barnwell, looking at you other football nerds. You're going to be like, that phone's just as good as the iPhone Max. And you know what you know what people like me say? Nope. Give me the <laughs> iPhone Max and give me Patrick. You can build these arguments, but I'm taking the one. I know the home button works. I know how the apps work. I'm good. Yeah, I, that's a perfect um, analogy. That is Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes. And there is some brand value that comes with Patrick Mahomes. But they're so close that I think that the, like, Maybe it's the hipster pick or it's the nerd pick or the smart pick. Uh, you could argue is is Herbert in the Chargers, given all the things that I laid out. I tried to talk you off of the Patrick Mahomes and KC pick, even though I'm going to pick Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City. But did I do a good job? Are you are you at least second guessing? I'm honestly torn about it. I'm torn about it because this is this is one of those games where like I think we 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 vigorously agree about most of it that my football brain thinks that the chargers are pretty much on par with the chiefs. Right. But, but show it to me, get the win first, show it to me and I'll start to believe. All right. Here's, here's a different question that um, I think we don't ask very often in sports media, but let's be honest, it happens. Who do you want to win? Like uh, we try to pretend like we're impartial and there's some games that I don't know who I want to win until I start watching them. But uh, you have like, I, I got to be honest, I kind of, the reason why I'm trying to talk myself out of Patrick Mahomes pick 
is I kind of want Patrick to win. Like I yeah. I like Patrick and the story around him. And there's no reason to dislike Justin Herbert. I don't dislike Justin Herbert. I want him to do well also, but I don't want to deal with the storylines of of uh we're passing the torch or he's neck and neck, even though I know it's true. I don't want to hear it. I want to continue to ride off with Patrick Holmes being the greatest quarterback in the history of ever. This is so funny because I feel the same way. It's like I, I end up rooting for greatness because I want to be yeah. around to have seen it. And I'm like, that's the thing. It's like, I want Patrick to keep climbing so I can be like, oh, I saw him, you know, slay this dragon, this, dra- this dragon, this dragon, and how sick he's going to be. The other side of that, though, is, you know, it's cooler than one Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Who Patrick Mahomes. And if he wins this game in primetime, yeah. like Justin Herbert can actually become famous. Like he's yeah. the best quarterback who's not actually famous. Granted, it'll be on Amazon Prime and no old people will know how to find it or watch that game. <laughs> but it would still be a big deal. Uh, the the kind of who you're rooting for thing, like it got yeah. tested last year, was weird. And that playoff game between Mahomes and Allen is like, I kind of felt myself again root for Mahomes for those same reasons. And then the way the game ended, I like felt so sad for Josh Allen. I was like, was I actually rooting for Josh Allen? Yeah. It, it's a weird emotional experience. But um, if we are going to suck emotion out of any segment, it has to be the next one. We're mm-hmm. going to do some betting. Teach me how to bet. Or am I going to teach you how to bet? I don't know. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash df today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help com slash df all right i mentioned to you before that i'm not much of a gambler but i kind of mm-hmm. want to get in i, I wouldn't say i'm not much of a gambler i've never bet on a sporting event um other than like with friends or whatever i want to kind of get into it i want to learn about it mm-hmm. so i asked you to come up with some some games for me to discuss and like the big spreads, like you want to go for the big spreads, right? And it's bananas with the number of enormous spreads that we have out there. Like I, I don't gamble a ton, but 10 plus points in the NFL, that never happens. It feels like we got some underdog opportunities. So run them down for me. 
Okay, the one of the crazy things, and that if someone has actual stats on this and can tell us the last time this happened, please tweet it at us. Let us know. But there are five double-digit spreads this weekend. Four of the teams that are double-digit dogs won in week one. They're one and O teams. The Falcons are at the Rams. They're ten and a half point dogs. The Seahawks, who beat what we think of one of the best teams in the NFL in the Broncos, we thought were one of the best teams in the NFL in the Broncos, are at the 49ers. They're mm-hmm. 10-point dogs. Houston look shockingly not that terrible in week yeah. one. They're at the Broncos. They're 10-point dogs. Our beloved Chicago Bears. They're at the Packers. They're 10-point dogs. And then the one that makes a little bit more sense is the Titans are playing the Bills, and, and they're also 10-point dogs. But I want to know from you is like, okay, those are five games that a week ago we would have thought are brutal games. Right. But they're slightly more interesting after it happened in week one. And I want to know if there's matchups that you think is there's actual football value there. Because this is a this is a yeah. way to reverse engineer what how we should pick them. Yeah, I think all right, we'll take them in order. Mm-hmm. Uh Rams Rams uh hosting the Falcons and the Rams are ten and a half point favorites. Like that feels like an opportunity to go Falcons. Yeah. The Falcons collapsed. And I guess you can believe in like Falcons jinxes, but they had a interesting offense that was able to move the ball and score points. And the Rams looked terrible. Uh, you could chalk it up to the front that uh, the Bills were bringing pressure or their front was getting pressure without having to blitz. And I mean, they're just really good. The Bills are. So you could say that's why they look really bad. I don't think that's part of the reason. I think that offensive line is not up to par. They couldn't run the ball. And uh, Matt Stafford, the injury, we still don't know much about how that elbow is feeling. It certainly didn't seem like he was playing well. So the Rams scoring enough points to win by 10 and a half seems like unlikely to me. And Arthur Smith figuring out, they may not win, but um, figuring out with this offense ways to create mismatches because they have interesting and outstanding skill position players and and Marcus Mariota, an athletic quarterback that can make it uncomfortable and challenging for uh, this Rams defense. So I, I'm not picking the Falcons to win, but I feel like that's a big opportunity. Like you, you have to agree with me there. Like the Rams aren't going to win by 10 and a half points. I was stunned when I saw this line. And I, was stunned when I, saw, I was stunned when I saw this line because what you said with Arthur Smith, but also just when we saw Matt Ryan play with the Colts this week, He's no longer the Falcons quarterback. He was the quarterback when they were really bad last year. Mm. I just don't think that – I think we assumed that there would be a bigger drop-off between him and, and Mariota than there actually is, and it doesn't actually seem that way. This is sort of like the Geno Smith paradox where guys get written off and they're quality mid-tier, low-mid-tier quarterbacks that can run an offense, and we think Arthur Smith's a good coach. So I, I agree with you on this bet. I do have one question. Mm-hmm. When is Kyle Pitts going to be good? Like I've heard so much about Kyle Pitts. I know he had a thousand receiving yards last year, but like I keep expecting him to be like a mixture of like Terrell Owens and Shannon Sharp and Rob Gronkowski. And he continues to just be, I don't know, like a more hyped up version of every mediocre tight end. Well, I mean, going for a thousand yards of tight end, I would argue makes you good, but I think that that could also, (sighs) he has the ability. And it comes down to quarterback and coaching. Because I, when I watch him play, I don't, like, see a guy who is not a- as advertised. Yeah. You know, like, he's big and athletic. And 
runs good routes and is a matchup problem. So like finding a way to to properly use him, I think is the issue or finding someone who can get him the ball consistently is the issue is the issue in my view. So like I he might be a guy that uh will end up on another team with another quarterback and another coach and then we'll be like, "Hey, that guy was really good." But I think Arthur Smith figures it out. They have the right quarter or they don't have the right quarterback just yet, but I think this might be the year that you'll I mean, it's only the second year, though. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm totally yeah, yeah. overreacting. And also, I'm really overreacting to week one. This is a yeah. classic fantasy football overreaction. Like, you were supposed to be Travis Kelsey. I yeah. wanted more from you. He might He might still be. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I think we got some money there. We could win a little something there. Then we got Seahawks at Niners. <clears throat> the Seahawks are not as good as the final score of that game suggested. And the 49ers are not as bad as that, as the final score of that game suggested. But I am shocked that they are 10-point favorites. So the Seahawks won in part because Nathaniel Hackett kind of struggled with game management throughout the course of the game and at the end of the game. But what it really comes down to is them turning the ball over in the red zone twice in the second half. You know, like that was it. They – the defense, the Seahawks defense played pretty well, but they weren't dominating. <laughs> the The Broncos were able to move the ball and should have had a lot more points. And red zone defense tends to be something that is – a team is not, like, particularly good at it. Like, you can be – there's, like, levels of good, but it also feels like something – a lot like turnovers that can be a little bit random. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, like, having uh, – it was on the one twice, like – those plays could have easily gone the other way. That's 14 more points, and the game isn't close. So I guess I see why uh, the line setters do not see the Seahawks as someone who can be close, but 49ers game, huh. <laughs> it looked good either. Like, there's no reason to believe in them. Like, I feel like I, I, I don't want to make a prediction here, but as I'm learning how to bet, I kind of feel like I have to just to find mm, out. And I, we, can, we can stay away. This is stay away for me. I agree, but but no, 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 no. We're betting them all because we're not actually betting any of them unless you That's are. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, if I, I I would probably stay away from this, but again, I think I'd go with the underdog. They're, they're going to slow the game down because that's what they want to do anyway. So this is this is where we're going to disagree, and this is where my Kyle Shanahan thing. So I have I have a dog, great dog, but like okay, say. My my lovely dog peed on Dobby. the carpet. Dobby. Say he peed on the carpet. Normally, I'd be pissed. But if it was like a, a hellacious thunderstorm, a monsoon, and he peed on the carpet, I'd be like, you know what? Got to toss that one out. That thunderstorm, that monsoon was scary. And metaphorically, Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance peed yeah. on the carpet last week. And I'm like, you know what, guys? You'll never have to play in that rain again. I've, I've right. gone through the stages of grieving because I want to believe in that team. And... I'm going to disagree because, like, I don't actually think the Seahawks are good. I don't think that Geno Smith's going to complete 82% of his passes again. I think that Kyle Shanahan at home is going to is going to run the ball. Like, I don't. They're going to start Jeff Wilson. They're going to be depending on Eli Wilson or uh, Elijah Mitchell, who's going uh-huh. to be taken out in the middle of the game. I, you know what? I'm I'm pinned into a corner. I'll take 49ers minus 10. Why not? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll just have to differ on this. I think generally. 
that's just so big for it's NFL such teams. a big line NFL teams that we say are are bad like the skill level difference between the players on either side is still minuscule but but so. but the only thing I push back on is like we just went through how the Seahawks actually should have lost by 14 points right and we don't think that the Broncos played a particularly good game at all and they still should have won by by 14 plus yeah points. if if this was a uh, five six maybe even seven point spread yeah i'd be like hey the 49ers are actually a better team we didn't get a real accurate look at them but 10 is so much for two nfl teams like it's gonna take a lot for me to go against uh or go with the favorite on 10 points so i'm gonna yeah. stay seahawks they might lose by nine but they're not gonna <laughs> lose by 12 well, i have a couple follow-up questions because i want to poke holes right. in, in your logic do you think the 49ers, based on what we've seen, the 49ers or the Broncos are, are a better team? The 49ers or the Broncos? Yeah. Uh, I mean, based on based on what we've seen so far this year, the Broncos. Yeah. I guess I think that they, I kind of think that the 49ers or the Broncos have been more disappointing. Like the 49ers we are like sort of a, an unknown quantity, but right. the Broncos are actually disappointing in that game. And the other thing is, I it's emotionally you have to imagine they're going to play worse than they did in the, in the game against Russell Wilson too. Yeah. Seattle. Yeah. 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 So I like, I think adding those things up plus how they actually played when you like add in touchdown luck. I just think like as far as 10 point lines go with unproven teams, this yeah. might be the safest unproven 10 point line that we get, that we're going to get. All right. I mean, I, I get your argument. I don't think it's yeah. foolish, but you're not going to get me to change. So right. well, uh, I'm sticking with they'll find a way to kick a field goal at the, at the end to make it respectable or something like that. That, yeah. that That's called a backdoor cover. I learned yeah. that from listening to other degenerates talk about gambling. All right. Houston and um, Houston at Denver. So I can't. I just can't go with. A 10 point again like I feel no. like Denver I'm more prone to say Denver will win all right I'm gonna go the other way I'm going Denver more than 10. okay we're gonna disagree again all right cool. I, th- I think I think I think you're neck shaming you're neck yeah. shaving Davis Davis Mills Davis yeah, Mills hasn't right. been that bad yeah, he's just he's just right. got a memeable neck I mean he hasn't been that good either like he, he's he's, he's conservative like, and I guess maybe you need a bunch of turnovers would be your argument to win by more than 10 points. And he's not going to do a whole bunch of that. And their defense is pretty good. Jerry Hughes, who they got from um, Buffalo, is a monster and is continuing to monster out there. So, yeah. And they got Derek Stingley, who's like one of my favorite players in football because he's an outstanding cornerback. Uh, and he was in college and uh, still seems to be in the NFL pretty damn good. So, I get your point, but talk about teams that want to make a statement. And yeah. that defense is really good. They're at home. They have a statement to make. Russ is not perfect, but I still think he's well above average quarterback. I'm going Broncos. When yeah, win by 10? That's so I think crazy. you just lizard brained me, though. You just used my own logic against me where I'm like, now the, the Broncos are going to be up for this game because they weren't up for the last game. Yeah. And when you give me the narrative structure, I I, I sort of yeah. agree with that. I, I this is how this is how points. they make their money. Is ten points suckers like us fall for the narrative structure? And that's right. That that's what makes us believe. Yeah, the Broncos. I'm not doing it. I'm staying Texans uh, underdog. I'm going to stick with the same logic that I used in the last game. There we go. All right, 
My beloved Chicago Bears. The Our Packers. beloved Chicago Bears. Yes, I'm sorry. Our beloved Chicago Bears. This one, I actually think I got to go with the favorite here. Packers. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't think the Bears are very good. Um, I do think the Packers defense is uh, incredibly talented, and they're not going against Kevin O'Connell uh, and Justin Jefferson. Like mm-hmm. I, I think Justin Jefferson deserves a ton of credit for the way he played, but Kevin O'Connell – did some really impressive and interesting things to to get Justin Jefferson in situations to make really good plays. I have no reason to believe that the Bears are capable of doing the same thing, particularly because they don't have a talent like that on their team. And I, I did not see the innovative offense that you would need to attack that Packers defense. And Aaron's uh, back-to-back MVP. Uh, That's the thing. We're, we're they're getting Lazard on... back. They're going to score. A we're betting on Aaron Rodgers here. And like that's also so many things happen in football where they're like small changes that that change the outcome of things like Christian Watson dropping a 76 yard touchdown pass and but still getting open and being a freak. Like, I don't know. The infrastructure for me that I would trust is is Aaron Rodgers here and 10, 10 points normally would see, seem tough. But I have thrown out the 49ers game as a, as an aberration because of the weather. And if I'm going to do that for the 49ers, I also have to do that for the bears. It's only logically it would only make sense logically that way. And I thought the bears were a bad roster going into it. And I thought Justin Fields gamer gamer in the rain, but no, this is not a gamer game. I mean, I think Rogers is going to run away with this one. I think we're in lockstep on this bet for the first time. All right. We only got one more. The bills. That's the last one. Bills Titans. Yeah, Bills Titans. Yeah, I'm going Bills. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, do you really? I mean, here's the question, too. Like, if you were to make an argument for the Titans, would you really want to put your hard earned money and actually, you know, go to DraftKings or whatever big gambling site and actually be like, okay, I'm going to bet on Ryan Tannehill here? I'm going to bet on, but Derek, Derek Henry didn't look good. He was getting, he was getting touches vultured by Dontrell Hilliard. That's that was the guy who sort of broke the mold of their offense where, oh, they could still run the ball down by two scores. Good. Derrick Henry doesn't look like that anymore. Maybe I'll be proven wrong in a couple of weeks, but I don't want to bet on that against like a mutant like Josh Allen and the Bills who look like they're going to beat everyone. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't see the way that the Titans are able to score enough points. They don't have a, a decided advantage anywhere. Uh, they don't have they can't stop Josh Allen. I'm not sure that anyone can stop Josh Allen when he's on his game. And I assume he's going to be on his game. And I, I don't see advantages for them offensively. I don't see places for them to attack, um, particularly because that D-line of the Bills is very good. The whole front is very good, and the safeties are very good. So, And the one place where you can attack is the receivers, and they traded their um, game-breaker receiver away and drafted a kind of tweener guy. To, yeah. to take a spot so it's hard for me I, I i this is also a bit of confirmation bias because i mean i thought the titans were going to fall back this year obviously no one thought they were going to be number one uh in their uh number one in afc again but i don't i don't know feels like they're not even going to win their division which i guess the colts don't want it either no one in division wants to win but anyway this is not a fun game to talk about but i will take uh, the or I will give the points in this situation. Yeah, well, and this one's a this at least is a fun game theory game because like these big spreads, you at least mm-hmm. want to trust the team that's going to score a lot, and like the Bills are going to score a lot in this game. Um, cool. We had some we had, we disagreed a little bit there.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Dominique, I want to throw some narratives at you. You're a parent. You understand that expectations change. Mm-hmm. Nothing in, changes faster than expectations in the NFL. We have a week to overreact to everything. And I want to ask you about some expectations that have changed going into week two. And I'm going to frame this in sort of a parental way. So the first one, everyone knows the kid, complete maniac, but he can, he can like pull it together. He can Eddie Haskell it. He can charm you for, for like a dinner when you have people over, you're like, don't, don't be a jerk, but you yeah. know, they're not reformed in NFL terms who played well last week, but you still don't trust. You still know that that maniac is inside them. First of all, I know the name Eddie Haskell. I know it's like a TV character, right? But I don't know what show it's from. And you're younger than me. It's like, what is that? Happy Days? I don't leave, leave, leave it to Beaver. Same thing. That's the same as Happy <laughs> Days, isn't it? Well, I don't even know what the premise of Leave it to Beaver. Is Beaver Eddie Haskell? I have no idea. Okay. Well, yeah, I appreciate you pre- or appealing to the 70-plus crowd that loves podcasts with your Eddie Haskell but the answer is the Seattle Seahawks, right? Is that fair? Totally. There are multiple answers here. Who do you got as the, the team that was fool's goal in week one? I mean, I've got the Washington Commanders. Oh, your own team? Well, here's the here's the thing. I actually convinced myself to be bullish on their offense over the course of this week. And I was All like, right. ooh, Jahan Dotson, like – at the catch point, what a freak! Him and Terry McLaurin, I'm on the Wentz wagon. Brian Robinson is going to be back in week in week five. And I was like, you know what? Don't do this. Don't do this. They're going to break your heart. The Lions are favored for the first time on the road in 24 years, and I just I don't trust them. You're telling me that Wentz isn't going to come out against a, a Lions defense that gave up 38 points in week one and somehow throw four interceptions and break my heart? Wentz was incredible if you cut out his bad plays. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because it's like, and I know that sounds stupid, but not everybody's incredible if you cut out your cut out their bad plays. Some teams or some players are like mediocre or bad. That's the thing about Carson Wentz is it's a roller coaster. And the type of quarterback that can throw an interception on a screen pass in a terrible situation is normally not the same quarterback that can lead you on a comeback game-winning drive. So I think you should be excited about them. They still have a D-line, which can be the foundation of a pretty good defense, and they got weapons. And if you think back to Wentz 
the best Wentz was he had a ton of weapons and a lot of protection. Yeah. And uh in Philly. And I guess some really good coaching. I guess that might be where you could draw the line here and say he doesn't have as talented an offensive line or as good of coaching. But it did seem like in this game, they were using Wentz the way that you want to use Wentz. If you're gonna if you're gonna go for the Wentz experience. That's the scary part though. Yeah, you That's don't want to scary part. Wentz in the Colts like more conservative offense is not that's not how you're gonna get the best Wentz. You gotta mm-hmm. Wentz and Jameis are similar. Like you gotta go for the ride. What's the point in having him if you're not gonna go for the ride? You gotta give him a chance to blow it every time because sometimes he's not going to. He's gonna do something incredible. So I I disagree with you. Or because I don't think expectations got that high because they beat the Jaguars. So I think that they have a chance counterpoint. That's exactly right. Counterpoint. You just said they have a chance to win that win that division. Would you have said that? Would you have said that four days ago? Dak wasn't hurt. No. Yeah, you're right. Because I didn't think the Cowboys were going to win the division either. And Washington's not going to win the division because the Eagles are too damn talented. And they are actually a pretty well-coached football team. So, yeah, you guys aren't going to win the division. Get your hopes down. Sorry about that. You were right. I take it back. It's okay. It's okay. I, you have some fun worry. weeks, though. Also, I'm like, I'm like, you know, putting this out there because deep down, you know, my my expectations actually are up. And if I just yeah, say I that they're not actually up, then it'll it'll soften the blow. Okay, second one. This is sort of the opposite kid or opposite person. You know, who had a bad week one? Maybe went out to a party with their friends, <laughs> broke curfew, came back, accidentally, you know, knocked over a, va- a vase in the kitchen, threw up in the backyard. But you're like, you know what? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You're a good kid. I know you can do better. Who's that player or team for week two? Does, do the Eagles count? Of course. Anyone can. Yeah. I mean, because the Eagles actually won, and <laughs> they were not, like, getting dominated, but, like, a three-point win over the Lions, uh, I don't believe in the Lions. And the way that their, like, their defense played, their defensive front in particular, was concerning. And I think that they they just let me down. They just, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. They let me down week one. I know that they can do better. I have higher expectations for them. Jalen Hurts even played really well, I thought. So I'll put the Eagles in that boat. Who else could qualify for it? The Raiders could qualify for it, but because yeah. um, their offense, their defense was what I expected to be the big problem, but they had so many turnovers. So, like, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed in their in their offense. They're going to be better offensively. Um. The Cowboys, yeah, I, they were just as bad as I thought. Uh, the The Packers, I think, fall into that also, yeah. where yeah. It's, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. They're going to be all right. They're going to figure it out. Their defense will play a lot better, and Aaron will make these weapons into a formidable force. Is that it? Did I cover everybody that I'm not mad at? You covered everyone except for the one, one that I think, and we keep we keep going back to it. I think in that same vein, the Broncos are in that too. Like, I'm just also Russell Wilson's the perfect person that you want to say to. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like, that's 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 the Russell experience. I mean, no, because they should be really good. Right. That's the thing that 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 I took away from Week One, even though they lost that bad team. They should be really good. Russell lost. I felt like this facade of like perfect team 
mm-hmm. like perfect quarterback thing. I felt like it worked on like the majority of football fans, but I don't feel like it's working anymore. I think he I, went too far. And like even average football fans kind of think of him as like a try hard and like phony, right? I think he's just like oh, too much exposure to Russell Wilson. Like, I don't think anyone thinks he's like a bad guy. He's just a goober. Yeah. He's just like a like a dork, but like yeah. not a self aware dork. I don't. I don't want to. I, don't, I actually don't want to sound too mean about it, but like that's just yeah. sort of the way I I feel about it. Like he. I think it's like it's when you've ever been around someone who thinks they're smarter than you, but actually is like not mm-hmm. like I'm not saying that that's Russell, but I think that Russell feels like he's got us fooled. Yeah. And like maybe we don't know who he actually is, but we know he's not this guy. <laughs> you know, And it just is like unlikable. I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's a weird situation because he's so he seems so nice and so likable, but he doesn't seem genuine, which only last for so long before I feel like a is the only one who can pull that off. Uh, like, and he couldn't pull it off for a long time, but right now a rod is in our good graces and they both have celebrity. Um, well, I guess a rod's no longer with JLo, but yeah. I feel like that's what saved his image is the JLo romance. I, I actually, like, I kind of would love your opinion on this too. Like, it was weird watching, and I, I don't want to hammer the Broncos too much. As it was weird watching the the Monday night game and seeing Russ's ex teammates go on Twitter and absolutely roast him. Like that was not normal. That was like, and to, to your point, I think that's like that takes away like the shiny veneer of Russell Wilson too, because it's like who who do you trust on if the guy's likable more than the people who spend time with him? Yeah, I mean. Uh... It's so many of them too, because I feel yeah. like uh, he could. It could have helped his image because some of those guys are like generally well, not anymore. Actually, I feel like there was a point when Richard Sherman wasn't widely appreciated, but I feel like that shifted some. Obviously, Marshawn is, is beloved. Um, yeah, and Doug Baldwin never was a guy who people didn't like, and yeah, it's it's certainly shifted. I, I don't know. You would have one money from me if you if you got me to bet like six seven years ago that america would be on the side of the legion of boom and not on russell's side yeah i mean too many tiktoks less mr unlimited more legion of boom um all right should we go on to the next one yeah let's do it okay I want to know who your car keys player or team is just the reliable good guy who's that player or team for week two you know he's gonna get everyone home safe all right. Well, I, I feel like I feel a need to find someone different that we haven't talked about because yeah. certainly giving my car keys to the Chiefs, the Bills, those teams are the first team that I'm handing the keys over to. Um, I would like to say the Ravens. However, they're playing the Dolphins and the Dolphins are going to blitz the hell out of them. And the Ravens never really. Uh, figured out an answer for that while Lamar was in the game last year. And I do believe in the Tua McDaniel collabo. So I don't know. It's like, I'm, I would be happy to throw the Ravens my keys, but they got a real windy road and it's really late at night. And it makes me kind of nervous. Let me see. Like the Eagles are another team. Who do they play this week? Um, the Eagles play the... the Vikings. Nope. 
Eagles play the Vikings. Y'all can't have my keys either. That doesn't feel safe. The Bengals are playing the Cowboys. That feels Do safe. But I, don't trust, but I don't trust the Bengals right now. Yeah, I'm going to throw my keys. I'm going to throw my keys to Joey B and the Bengals because uh, – is that fair? Because I think yes. that the Cowboys are, in this analogy, it is full light outside and they're a straight road. And it's just stop signs, no lights, no highways. Like they're gonna get home because the trip is easy, not because the driver is as responsible as you think. Well, okay, I I totally agree with that. I think I, that was one of my picks. The second one, though, I think is I think you're gonna disagree with a little bit. Um, I think he fits the concept here, though. I'm going with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is going to drive that offense to be pretty good this week. Like the Eagles defense didn't look, I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but like the times we've seen Kirk Cousins be good, it's when he's in a Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin O'Connell offense, which he's back in. He's got Justin Jefferson on his team who has sort of broken my perception of how dominant a receiver can be through one week of the season. And I just think he's going to be steady in this game. I think that team is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but if we're going with teams that I feel like I can trust, like in, in this analogy, getting home is winning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust them to beat the Eagles um, at home. The, the same way I trust the Bengals to go to Dallas and, and get a win. I'd love to throw my keys to Tom Brady, but they're playing the Saints, and they can't beat the Saints unless they're in the playoffs the last two seasons. And, yeah. and Tom Brady also gave us – some wild quotes this week. Like, I, I let's talk to on the Tom Brady quotes for a second. I believe that Tom Brady is has shifted to like marketing genius. I don't think that Tom Brady tells us anything that he doesn't want us to know. I think Tom Brady wants uh, to be in the news cycle in order to keep the attention to sell TV twelve stuff. Because I have, it's impossible for me to believe that Tom Brady recorded a podcast and released it saying something that would give us or, or telling us something that seems like genuine and introspective introspective and true about him like frankly questioning how much he wants to do it like he said i committed to this season but he also after week one is like man bumps and bruises gotta reassess things it just it, it just didn't feel like something Tom Brady would want us to know unless he really wanted us to know it. Does that make any sense or am I talking? In no, it does. And like, it's, it's, it's like, it's really weird because Tom Brady has been really manicured. Like you'd said. So it's like a, a moment of vulnerability. Just you're, you're guarded against his vulnerability. Um, it's not real vulnerability. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it's, I mean, we're, yeah. we're saying it's, this is, it's manufactured because everything else has been. It's his podcast. Like, it's not like we overheard yeah. a conversation that he was having with somebody or there's like anonymous reports. He recorded this, listened back to it, and was like, yeah, get us to the world on a Wednesday when there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah, well, right. It's also just he like wants it us seems... to follow his, he wants us to listen to his podcast, rate and review it or something. 100%. It's also like he, you know, Giselle tweeted at him, let's go Tom Brady before the game, and he recorded this podcast sort of portraying the narrative that tabloid said that she wants out there. Like they're communicating to each other in the most public way, which makes it feel much less real to your point, like a marketing thing. All right. Keep it going. What you got next for me? Okay. Next one. 
you're not hanging out with that kid. You're not hanging out with that player. You're not hanging out with that team. Who's that <laughs> guy for week two? I have I have a strong answer for this. The Bears. Oh, we have a different one. <sighs> yeah, the Bears. I mean, there's a bunch of them. The 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 uh, Cardinals. I don't want to hang out with them. Uh, who else we got? Oh man, I can't turn on my beloved Panthers. Are we still a Panthers podcast? Or can maybe. we can we can we be a Giants podcast? Or or maybe we should become a Bears podcast. Yeah, Bears pod would be good. But I don't I don't know. I don't really want to. Can, can I give you mine real quick? Give it to me. Jerry Jones. You were not hanging out oh, with Jerry yeah. Jones. Yeah. He's not a player or a team, but he's become a doctor this week. He's changing rough. Dak's time. Did you see that Mike McCarthy said that Dak's thumb is going to heal in eight to ten days, but they're still going to play conservatively? It's outrageous. Jerry Jones is doctoring. He's become an orthopedic hand surgeon. We're not hanging out with Jerry Jones. Yeah, we cannot hang out with Jerry Jones because he doesn't have our best interests at heart. <laughs> he's he's concerned about Jerry Jones, not Dak Prescott, and certainly not us. But yeah, I, I wouldn't hang out with them. I don't know. The Colts make me nervous. I don't trust them anymore. It's a lot, surprisingly. Um, there's one whole game. The Patriots versus the Steelers. Well, I know oh, I can't do that. I I have to trust the Steelers, right? They've proven it year in and year out. Got to trust them. Oh, yeah, and the Patriots haven't. Yeah, this feels like um, I don't know what this is. This is somebody went bad. They're going through a bad phase, right? Is that yep. it? If we continue with the the analogy, it's like they just hit thirteen and they're rebelling. And these two teams, like I, I'll come back to them in a few weeks. But for the next couple of weeks, um, I'm going to let them go through this little rebellious phase because T.J. Watt not being there seems crippling. And Mitchell Trubisky throwing a football is an issue. And everything about the Pats feels uncomfortable right now. Yeah, you know, with the Patriots, it turns out that having an offensive coordinator, that matters. And, you know, maybe don't spend the most money in the NFL on wide receivers and not even have a number one or a number two. That'd be it really looked like a bad take for me. Was saying that the offensive coordinator didn't matter that much. I'm I'm not gonna give. There's no apologies coming from me on that one just yet. Give me a couple more weeks, and then okay. maybe I'll accept that I was dead wrong about that. We'll check back and have a a victory lap on this one. And the last one, that you've charmed me. You can date my in my case hypothetical daughter. <laughs> Who's the player who can date your hypothetical daughter because of how charmed you were by the performance in week one? Who was charming? Uh, let's see. A charming team. The Giants. They charmed me. Mm -hmm. I like the Giants. They did charm me. Like, it was a new version of the Giants that uh, made good decisions. Well, Daniel Jones did still fumble and throw interceptions, so he didn't make those great decisions. But generally, I mean, the Giants were one of my picks early in the season to do better, to be much better. And I'm so proud of them because I was the only person to pick them to win, and they actually won. So I'm charmed by them. And they're hosting the the Panthers, who yeah. are very beatable. So charming little giants. Eh, little you know giants. I didn't even mean that, but <laughs> you know what's ironic is your 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 offensive coordinator take co coordinator take about the Patriots was so bad, but also it's so right about the Giants. Like the coaching changes, like they have Dable and Wink. And they're really they're coached really well in offense and defense now. And it's like, wow, this changes everything. Look at you, you scrappy, charming little underdog. <laughs> Apple. My takes weren't wrong. They just 
they let me down. I'm disappointed in them. The takes are right. Just the Patriots are wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, my answer, and uh, this is this is just mostly to uh, double down on this. It's Justin Jefferson. You sort of like you won me you over as a player. You can't. He had almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. That's not charming. All right, fine. You don't get to be charming. Charming is like I don't know. I, I feel like. At least the way you're explaining it is like it kind of it feels underdoggy, you know, like a well, little bit I, of a. I have an I have an underdog then who's another receiver who's dominant, but I think he's the underdog for for this one. Steph Diggs. Everyone Google the video of Steph Diggs yeah. who would never be allowed to date your daughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's just the father of a hypothetical daughter. But Steph Diggs, you're actually my winner here. I love him. He's great. Go Terps. He's so funny and interesting and talented. And well dressed. Mm-hmm. You remember when he had like two Valentine's Day dates at the same time? Oh yeah. You don't remember that? No, I do. Man, it's incredible content. Like I, I'm not much for the social media, but I just decided that I'm gonna spend part of this evening scrolling through old Diggs stories on IG, see what he's up to. He's one of the the quietest, most interesting receivers in the league. Quiet. Yeah, I think he's much less famous than the other five best receivers in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, guess quiet's not the right word. Under the radar. Under the yeah. radar is the proper term. Yeah, he's he's as good as it gets as far as I'm concerned. And Agreed. I mean, the, he was the difference when he got there. Uh, it's not a coincidence that Josh Allen went from bad to great when Stephon Diggs showed up. So they, they extended him recently, didn't they? Or if they haven't, they should because he's a difference maker. And, you know, just like we talked to, to put a button on this stuff is like we talked about the mutant era of quarterbacks. There's also like five or six wide receivers that are mind blowingly good right now. And he's one of them. All right. I think it's about time to wrap it up. I'm getting excited about watching this game and I'm really excited. We didn't talk about all the things I was right about last week, but I'll let I'll try to be fake humble and pretend like I wasn't um, clairvoyant on most things because. Oh, Dominique, you were so great. You were don't you were totally this. right about everything. <laughs> okay, don't start this. See, I the I don't mind. I feel like this might be a little too inside of people about our relationship. Is you've been a producer of me on many other programs for a while, and there's nothing I hate more than any producer I've worked with, and there's any friends that I have. I really don't like fake compliments, and I know you don't mean it. So it just of makes me mad. I, it's not a real compliment. Of course I don't mean it. A week ago, we did we said that the Bears should trade Justin Fields or Justin Fields should demand a trade and that offensive coordinators don't matter. Our text- I didn't say they don't matter. I said that other coaches can call plays because they got a menu to choose from. And I have not changed my opinion on Justin Fields. I feel like what happened last week gave me more ammunition. Like, Justin Fields was alone out there, just like I said he was. Y'all well, trying to spoil that man's career. I'm more right than I've ever been about Justin Fields. You you totally convinced me. Great point. You're totally <laughs> right. Get out of here. You know what's going to happen? I can't wait till we come back and see that I got all my bets right and you got all your bets wrong. That is that. Leave me alone, Charlie. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.